0: What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Missing Persons. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Speaking of Missing Persons, and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started, quick shameless shout-out, we have another show, Unsolved Mayhem. Make sure you're going and checking that out. Um, so, oh, one other thing, we, if you want to see uh, anything, watch a TV, I don't know, <laughs> but if there's a case you want to hear on the show...
2: If you want to see, open your eyes. <laughs>
1: if you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that over to our email, speaking of missing at gmail.com. So, that stuff said, we're going to hop right in. Sarah, who are we talking about today? Is it a single person, multiple people? Did a whole town go missing? Are we talking about <laughs> Roanoke?
0: No, we're not. I
2: mean, we have been talking about that recently, but not. I mean, it. Does come up
0: in one of our missing persons cases, but not this one.
1: Oh, okay. Wait, like,
0: oh, okay, cool. (laughs) I mean, it's not like that big of a deal, but this case you, it's this. This case is like really, really fucked up. It's probably the most fucked up case I've ever researched.
1: Wait, is this? Sorry, I'll. Is this the case that was, like, all over the news recently? The girl who completely forgot who she was and showed up in, like, Sweden? No. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, the Madeline McCain. I don't
1: know her name. McCann? Yeah, that Madeline is,
2: McCann.
0: Yeah. yeah. She got kidnapped at four years old. Yeah,
2: and she, this woman thinks she is her from Sweden. She looks and, like her.
0: Yeah. They were trying to process like DNA?
1: Yeah.
0: No. This case is about two guys. But first we're gonna talk about um a guy named Terrence Williams. He was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on January seventeenth, nineteen seventy six. He was his mother's only son, and me and the can relate here. You kind of have, like, a special bond with your boy as a mom. Like, they're just so cute. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that's how she felt. Like, the two of them had a really strong bond with each other. He kept in contact with her constantly. He was a mama's boy. Gotcha. When he was 25 years old, his mom got married and moved to Florida, and it only took Terrence a few months before he followed her. He had four children, and there was not really any work in Tennessee, so he was having a hard time paying his child support. This move was not only going to get him closer to his mom. um, I think you s- pronounce her name Marcia, but also... Wait,
1: it, isn't that M-A-R-C-I-A? Yeah. I think that might be Marcia.
0: No, I watched a whole documentary. They kept pronouncing it. Oh, really? They weren't pronouncing it like Marsha.
1: Oh. Well, then
0: <laughs> I stand If I'm, corrected. If I'm just... wrong, somebody tell me. But the whole documentary I watched, they pronounced her name Marcia. Either way. Moving closer to her was not just going to help him get his life back on track because the job market was way better in Naples, Florida than... Where he was, but it was also going to obviously get him closer to his mom. Right. He quickly got a job in construction, and by the end of 2003, he had also started working at Pizza Hut. Okay.
1: Dude's hustling.
0: Yeah. Due to his troubles in Tennessee with like child support and he had got gotten a DUI, he had lost his driver's license. And at this point into the, like, he was only six months away from getting them back. All right. Because he didn't have a driver's license, he relied on his mom and his roommate Jason for rides to and from work. And he, like any grown adult, was, like, itching to get his freedom back. Oh, yeah, I
1: bet. Yeah, don't blame him at all.
0: Having to rely on people for rides is obnoxious. horrible. So... While he was waiting to get his driver's license back, he decided to buy this older white Cadillac. And he was going to like fix it up and have it ready to go for when he got his driver's license. Nice. While working at Pizza Hut, he made friends with some of his coworkers and was invited to a party on Sunday, January twelfth, two 2004. His mom picked him up from work that night and took him home... Because he wanted to shower and change before going to this party. Which makes sense. Makes sense. We're around pizza employees all the time. They stink. You, yes.
2: The smell of a pizza joint is strong. It is strong, even when they
0: come home.
1: It's the mozzarella. Is that what it is? It's, it's the, the mo. It's the cheese funk.
0: Well, they also smell like grease for some reason. Yeah. Like, they're so greasy. Grease and mm. uh, meat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I walked into and they're always splattered with sauce. Yes. I walked into the room today and I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, dude, your the whole room smells like pizza. <laughs> OK, so it was like a 15 mile drive to this party. So Terrence asked Jason if he wanted to go with him. This would have been his way of getting a ride. Right. And Jason said n- no. And when Terrence couldn't convince him, he decided to wing it and drive his own car. Oh, boy.
1: boy. It's not a good decision.
0: A little bit later, Jason gets a phone call from Terrence, who had pulled into a convenience store to use the payphone. He told Jason that there were cops everywhere, and he wanted to just talk to Jason while he waited them out to see what was going to happen. Jason said he sounded scared, but the cops left and the two hung up. And then Jason went to bed, and for some reason, he said he just left his phone laying on the TV stand instead of taking it and plugging it in like he normally would. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just, you just forget.
2: forget. Yeah, I lay my phone down for hours
0: and before I realized, and I'm like, where the fuck is that bitch? <laughs> When he woke up in the morning, Terrence was not home yet. At first, he didn't worry because sometimes Terrence stayed with friends. When he looked at his phone, he saw he had some missed calls from a number he didn't recognize around 4 a.m. So he called the number back. It was one of Terrence's co-workers from Pizza Hut. She told Jason that Terrence must have used her phone to try to get a ride home. And she was pretty sure she saw him leave the party between 5 and 6 a.m. But no one, that can't be confirmed. But she didn't know where he went. So Jason spent the whole day calling everyone that they knew looking for Terrence. No one had seen him. On Tuesday, when he still wasn't home, Jason emailed Terrence's mom and asked if she had heard from her son, like if he had called her or anything. She immediately knew something had to be wrong. She had already been having like a bad feeling because she hadn't heard from him since Sunday, which was not normal. Yeah,
2: I feel like they're probably like a phone call a day kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, and... So she started calling all of his friends again, while Jason started calling hospitals and jails. I mean, he's,
2: at least he's got a reliable support system that's, like, yeah, worried about him fast. At this point, he's 27, by the way, at, at this time. Right, instead of them all just going, eh, he might turn up in a couple
0: days, let's see what happens. When they found nothing... No one had heard from him. His mom didn't want to, like, rush to conclusions that he was missing, so she waited until Wednesday, January 14th. So he went missing on the 12th. So on the 14th, she decides to drive to Pizza Hut to ask if any of them had seen him. They said they hadn't seen him since Sunday, and he hadn't come to pick up his paycheck yet. This is when she drives to a police substation to file a missing persons report. Yeah. These assholes refused to take her report saying that he was grown but she could come back in a month if he was still missing. A fucking month? A yeah. month? Mhm.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Oh, I don't give a month. fuck. I don't
2: give a fuck if my son is 50 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said.
0: I go. I was. You go like, look
2: for that motherfucker.
0: I was like, I literally said the same thing in my head. I was like, "Bitch, please." I would have been pulling that cop across the counter. Like, excuse me, a month. Try five minutes. This is how long this is. I've already
2: live. waited fucking twenty four hours, forty eight hours, and yeah, file the report
0: because sh- she was cast aside by the police. She took matters into her own hands and she called her family in Tennessee and asked for help. She's like, can you guys help me find Terrence? Her sister asked for all the phone numbers that she had. So she wanted the Collier County Sheriff's Office, which is where he went missing. She wanted the hospital and the jail. She's like, we'll blow up their phones. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did.
2: They'll get fucking sick of us.
0: They called so many times that they started. Like the police were like, "Okay, we'll go talk to her and get a report." It it was so it's so stupid. Okay, so twenty four hours after the police came and took a report from his mom, his her sister called. From Tennessee, and was like, We found his car. They had called all the tow yards in the area. Smart. And found his car. It had been towed from Naples Memorial Cemetery to this tow yard.
1: Kind of an odd place for it to be found.
0: Right. Yeah. So his mom then contacted the tow yard, who told her they towed the car on January 12th which was the last time he had been seen. They said that the car had been obstructing traffic. When she got to see the tow report, she saw that an officer with the Collier County Sheriff's Office named Steve Calkin was the one who had towed the car. She drove to the tow yard and identified the car right away. Inside were two of Terrence's jackets and an empty carton of Newport's, which is what he smoked. The next thing that she did was go to the cemetery. Yeah. Where they told her they had witnessed a white Cadillac being pulled over in the parking lot. They said the officer that pulled him over had his lights on but no siren, and that he asked Terrence for his driver's license, which he didn't have one. So he led Terrence to the police car and put him in the back seat. Um, I'm sorry? Yeah. I'm sorry? He then asked the employees if the car could stay there until he could come back and have it towed which they agreed, because he's a cop. Like an hour later, the officer came back, looked in the car for a minute, and then moved it from the parking space that Terrence had put it in when he got pulled over to the side of the road, obstructing traffic.
1: So the cop put it in the way of traffic. Yes. That didn't make any goddamn sense.
0: The tow company said when they got there, they found the car, obstructing traffic, and the keys to the car were on the ground. To his mom, none of this was making sense. No. To,
1: uh, to me, none of this sense. Right? To no sense. one, this
0: would make sense. She wants to know why he was not arrested for driving without a driver's license, a car insurance, and his tags were expired because he couldn't do all of those things because he didn't have a driver's license. Right.
2: But they had been
0: calling the jails and the sheriff's department and they said they had no record of him being arrested. But he obviously got put in the back of a cop car.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sketchy as
0: fuck. So she starts calling dispatch again. Because
2: I would be, let me speak to that police officer immediately. Yes.
0: Well, the dispatch, which you can like hear this dispatch call if you watch documentaries about this. But the dispatch woman is like so annoyed that she's been having to deal with Terrence's family for days that she does agree to call Officer Calkins on his day off to find out what's going on. She's like, whatever, I'll just call it. Good he tells the dispatch that he has no memory of the car or arresting anyone near the cemetery. Doesn't have any knowledge of in his mind of being in that spot on that day. Terrence's mother was not buying it. How did an officer that had been with the department for 17 years not remember something that happened four days ago?
2: Right, when his name is on all the reports and there's witnesses that who saw spoke him. to him directly yeah. about the situation. Yeah. Did you just randomly get, you know,
0: 48-hour amnesia? Not satisfied with the answers she was getting. She called again and again. And so the dispatch was like, fine, I'll call him back again. So she calls Calkins again. And this time, he remembers Terrence. They ask him to submit a report about what happened that day. Which he doesn't do until January 19th. Because he's trying to come up with his fucking story. In the report, he said the car was having problems on the road near the cemetery. And he pulled over to help Terrence at around noon. So... He's claiming he did not pull him over for any violation. That the car was like having issues, and Terrence pulled into the cemetery, and he just pulled in behind him to help him. He continued by saying Terrence told him he was late for work and asked for a ride. At first, he told Terrence no, saying he would call him a cab. But since he seemed like such a nice guy and was pleading. Officer Calkins agreed to give him a ride. That's why he got in the back of his car. Now, Calkins claimed Terrence told him he worked at the Circle K, like five minutes up the road, and that's where he dropped him off. All of this was hard for his mom to believe. She's like, first of all, his car had just come from the shop and was running fine. And second... If he needed help, he would have called one of them, like her or Jason, because he didn't like dealing with cops. Right. Like Yeah. And third, she said he would not have lied about working at the Circle K. Because he didn't work at the Circle K.
2: No, unless he was just fucking nervous and wanted to be dropped off so he could hit up a payphone.
1: That would make sense.
0: But she thought that he would just tell him that. like. Can you just drop me off at the Circle K so I can use the payphone? Not have lied to him. But either way. In his report, he said that he told Terrence to get his driver's license and paperwork in order for the car. To which Terrence said all the paperwork was in the glove box. There is no paperwork. When Calkins returned to the car in what he said was like 10 minutes, But remember, the cemetery employee said he didn't come back for an hour. He searched the glove box for the registration, but found no paperwork anywhere in the car. Feeling deceived by Terrence, he called the Circle K to find out if he really worked there. And of course, the employee said no. This is when he decided to run the license plate and found out that it had expired tax. Again, his mom is like, none of it makes n- sense. It doesn't know. I don't know. None of it adds up to his mom. All she saw was that her son was missing and this officer was the last person to see him.
2: Yeah. yeah and, and he's I, being really weird about it.
0: And I would have felt the same way. I would have been like, no, you have no proof of anything you're fucking saying. Right. Where is my son? I want the fucking truth, dude. His mom, her husband, and investigators all went to the Circle K to see if anyone had seen Calkins dropping off Terrence that day. Right. Or if they, the surveillance video had caught anything. They found nothing. Like, no sign of him or the police car on the video, and no employees remembered seeing a cop car drop a guy off.
1: As shady as hell.
0: Fed up, his mom filed a complaint against Steve Calkin. This opened a case with internal affairs. At the same time, the Collier... Ugh, I don't know why I can't say that. Collier County Sheriff's Department asked the Florida State Police and the FBI to help them with the investigation because of, like... He's an officer in their department and they don't want to come across as like playing favoritism. Yeah, makes sense. So they want these two outside agencies to To weigh in on everything to do the investigation.
2: Good, makes
0: sense. Yeah, they actually did it something right. Pretty quickly into the investigation, they find something strange. Something, yeah, I bet, very strange. Dude's a liar. They find another case from North Naples that was very similar to Terrence's, and it happened just three months before. This case was that of 23-year-old undocumented Mexican worker Felipe Santos, who went missing after a car accident with his brothers while they were on their way to work. He was also last seen by Deputy Steve Culkin interesting Felipe was from the farming community called I'm gonna butcher this and I'm really sorry it's that's like, a weird name yeah <laughs> it is like I'm a Kali I'm a I'm a Kali I don't know yep. all right Kali. You, somewhere you in you Florida. Sure somewhere in Florida he had been working as a migrant farmer for two years before getting a job in construction with his brothers His girlfriend was pregnant with their first child, and this was, like, going to be steady income for his new family.
1: It's pretty important.
0: The problem was the job was 30 miles away, and Felipe nor his brothers could get driver's license because they were undocumented. Right. Knowing this money could change their lives, the brothers decided to get a car and drive themselves. On the morning of October 13th, 2003, they were almost at the job site when Felipe went into the wrong turning lane, swerved back into the original lane, causing a car to hit them. Okay. Both vehicles pulled into a grocery store parking lot and the driver of the other car flagged down a passing officer, which was Steve Calkin. According to Calkin, the whole incident was no big deal. When he found out Felipe was, you know, driving without a license, he put him in the back of his police car. He said something. He said he said everything went smoothly. But according to the other driver. That was not true. She said Calkins was agitated from the beginning and made the comment that he was tired of handling incidents with people without license and insurance. Like, he was really rude. Felipe's brothers and the other driver saw Calkins drive away with Felipe in the back seat. This led his family to believe he had been arrested. Right.
1: That would be my thought.
0: Right. Would be your number one assumption. Yeah, you're putting him in the back of a police car. Right. So they called the station several times that day to, like, get information, find out, like, if they could pay bail, like, whatever. And they just kept being told there's no one here by that name. He has not been arrested. Hmm. Frustrated, his family went to the police station that afternoon for answers. It would take until October 27th, which was two weeks later, for his family to get the report from Calkins in the mail. Mm, Shocking. Yeah. It said he did not arrest Felipe because he was polite. Instead, he drove him to a... Circle K. Circle K. So he could make a phone call. This was a half mile from the accident. Calkin said he did give Felipe three tickets, one where he would have to appeal in court in November, and the other two were fines totaling $2,000. His family was finally allowed to file a missing persons report on October 29th. And at the same time, they filed a complaint against Steve Calkin. Absolutely. Good. It was very strange to investigators that after 17 years on the force with no issues, all of a sudden, Calkins had two complaints filed against him in a matter of three months. That are almost identical. And both involved missing men that he was the last person to see. And supposedly dropped off at, at Circle cir- K gas station. Yeah. In Felipe's case, police had nothing to go on except Calkins' word. And when Felipe did not show up for his court hearing, a warrant was issued for his arrest. Two months after Felipe's disappearance, his family received a letter from Internal Affairs exonerating Calkins from any wrongdoing during the traffic violation. Because that's all they're looking at is, did he do anything wrong at that point in time within 72 hours of Felipe's family receiving this letter Terrence went missing on Jane
1: gen- oh, wait a minute so Felipe goes missing mm-hmm. they jump through all these hoops get internal affairs to investigate Calkin. he gets all exonerated. That. right they received the letter and then within a few days The next guy goes missing. Yes. The the first guy we were talking about goes missing.
0: Yeah. Because Felipe didn't live in Naples. He went missing in Naples. The Naples police at the time weren't really investigating his disappearance. It was the police where he was from. So they didn't really know anything except because internal affairs in Naples was the ones involved in his case, not actual detectives. Uh-huh. Now we're going to go back to January 21st, 2004. This is nine days after Terrence went missing. Investigators processed his car for any DNA evi- evidence. They did find trace evidence, but they're not releasing what it is because it's an ongoing investigation. Oh, wow. Okay. Two days after that, they held a press conference with Terrence's family to try to generate more tips, which they did get a flood of tips, but none of them were useful. Of course. On February 12th, Internal Affairs asked Calkins to come in for a taped interview. He agreed because he was allowed to sign documents saying that nothing he said could be used against him in court. Oh, my God. Of course. Because this wasn't about, like, there was two separate cases happening at the same time, if that makes sense. They gave him a polygraph test, which he passed. Then on March 1st, a criminal investigation officially started against Calkins. They started. By searching his patrol car. And it was extremely clean. Mm. Like oddly clean? Like oddly clean. And he's a cop, so he knows how to get rid of things. Uh They found nothing in his car. That's how spotless it was. Next, though, they decided to put a GPS tracker on his patrol car to track his location. Because in their minds, they're like, we want to see where he's spending all of his time. Yeah. Which led them to 12 areas that were completely secluded and needed to be searched in their minds because they were in the middle of nowhere. After two days of exhausted searches using cadaver dogs and like aerial cameras, they found nothing that would help them. One of the officers said that these areas were so heavily wooded that someone could be killed there in broad daylight and no one would see them. Holy
2: shit. And he's just hanging out in these spots all day while he's on duty.
0: Mm -hmm. That's odd.
1: Yeah. Uh, It makes me feel uneasy.
0: Yeah. All they could do next was look into Terrence's background. Because they had to go through the possibility of, did he leave on his own? They did find out that he was scheduled to be in court in Tennessee two days after he went missing for back child support. His mom said he never ran from his responsibilities and he would have never missed the court date because he had never missed one before. Right. And that she knew he was planning to go. The Eternals... The Eternal Affairs investigation was also going on at the same time. They were looking at Calkin's call log from the day Terrence went missing. What they found was that four minutes after finding out his tags were expired, he made a call to a friend on on the dispatch. It was a guy he was friends with. So I'm going to read you the conversation. Okay. Dispatch answers the phone. They're like, what are you doing, sucker?" Then Calkin says, well, I got a homie Cadillac on the side of the road. Nobody around. Then Dispatch says, all right. Then Calkin says, the tag comes back to nothing. It's a big old white piece of junk. Then Dispatch asks him, like, blocking the roadway? And Calkins says, I'm towing it. Dispatch says, you do it, baby. Give me the VIN number. Then Calkin's like, maybe he's out in the cemetery. He'll come back and his car will be gone. Then they both start laughing. Dispatch then says, yeah, really, Mr. No Registration? Like, in a...
1: I'm just taken aback by all of the pet names between him and the dispatcher.
0: Yeah. Ew. Then the com- the conversation ends when Calkin says, well, he was blocking the road about an inch off the road, you know, so got to tow it. So he's having this conversation with the dispatch officer, making it seem like he found this car just sitting blocking traffic. On the side of the road and being like, oh, this dude is probably out in the cemetery visiting a family member and he's going to come back in his car's towed. When he knows he pulled the dude over. He already spoke to the guy. He already supposedly at this point dropped him off at Circle K.
1: That's the thing, though. We don't really know. If he actually had an interaction with him or not. Yeah, we do. Because the
0: cemetery employees saw them. Oh, okay. They saw him pull over Terrence. They saw him ask for his driver's license and put him in the back of the cop car.
2: And then the officer went into the cemetery and said, hey, can this car sit here?
1: That's right. So then he calls dispatch and acts like he never saw the guy and just found a car abandoned pretty much. Yeah,
2: on the side of the road blocking
0: traffic.
1: Shadier and shadier, man. Everything this guy does.
0: Yeah. This conversation looked really bad for Calkin. Yeah. Yeah, it
2: does. It Mm. looks bad for both of them. Yeah.
0: Not only was the language they used against company policy, but in his statement, he said he followed Terrence into the cemetery parking lot to help him. Right. He admitted to that, to Eternal Affairs. He had told them he moved the car to make it easier for the tow truck. That's what he had said during his interview. interview. When questioned about like this new discovery of the phone call, he denied lying in his statement. He said the dispatcher was just a friend and they were just messing around. No. No, you weren't. Because this dispatcher had no idea what you were talking about. He just assumes that you're telling him the truth, that you found this car abandoned blocking traffic. So he's just having like a normal conversation with you. You're the one lying. But it
2: sounded as if the dispatch gave him the lie, though. No. Because dispatch said it first. Like, Oh, is it blocking traffic? Like, very sarcastically. No,
0: I know. But it wasn't like a... I don't think the dispatcher knew anything about Terrence or anything that happened before the car. I think he was... Yes, I think they were having a a horrible conversation about, oh, it's you're just pretending like it's blocking traffic, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I don't think the dispatcher knew that Calkins had actually had a whole interaction. With oh, had actually seen the guy. Right. I see. Okay. They also found out that 20 minutes after the phone call with Dispatch, Calkins called Dispatch again, like a whole different person in Dispatch, to request a background check on Terrence. This was weird because, one, he had been claiming the whole time that he only spent five minutes with Terrence. So no one could understand how he had gotten his last name and his birthday in, like, such a short amount of time because he said he didn't ask them any ask him any of those questions but you would need that information to get a background check correct they also found out that terrence did give calkins a fake birthday which detectives said the only way he could have gotten that was from terrence yeah
2: which i'm sure he gave him a fake birthday because he wasn't
0: supposed to be driving the fucking car right so on March 30th, he was brought in again for more questioning from Eternal Affairs. He tried to say he thought he got it. Oh, he tried to say he got the birthday from paperwork he had found in the car, but remember, he said there was no paperwork in the car. Uh-huh. From here, he would like just kept backing himself in a corner. Yeah, because none, he can't keep his story straight, right? And then this is when detectives swooped in and were like, we want you to take another polygraph test and we want to ask you questions. So they decided to ask him questions about things that happened after Terrence went missing because Eternal Affairs had only asked him questions about the actual time that he supposedly put him in the car. Right. Which he's already rehearsed over and over and over again. So he failed this lie detector test. This was the last time for years that they would get to talk to Calkin. He was no longer willing to cooperate with anything that involved Terrence or Felipe. Once he failed that polygraph test, he was like, nope. We're never speaking again. Lawyer. Detectives with the... Collier Sheriff's Department and the Florida State Police believe Calkins was involved with what happened to both men. Absolutely. But they have no motive or probable cause to search his house. Pretty much without a body, their hands are tied. They cannot prove that any harm actually came to either man and that they didn't just leave on their own because there's no body, there's no blood, there's no DNA. I just feel like the
2: fact that he was the last person to see both of them is reason enough to search his fucking house. Sorry.
1: Yeah, well, not only that, but also he had the same explanation for both of their disappearances.
0: Oh, trust me. The police are, they 100% think he did something. It's just the district attorney and the judge are like, you have no proof that he did.
2: But does he still have his job, I guess? He's still out there?
0: Oh. No, he does not. Eternal Affairs found him guilty of wrongdoing in the way he handled things with Terrence, so he was fired. Calkins appealed two weeks later saying that he was being targeted for political reasons. It's because of the race of both men he was trying to say because he's a white officer and Terrence is a black man and Felipe is a Mexican man oh my God. that they targeted him. Bullshit, no. You're no. a fucking liar. You're And a sketchy liar. as fuck, dude. His appeal was denied. Good. Now, in January 2011, the body of an unidentified male was found a mile from where Felipe was last seen. And everybody was like wanting it to be Felipe, but also not wanting it to be, you know, right, at the same yeah. time. It's an understandable
2: place to be in that kind of
0: situation. And yeah. Terrence's mom was like, okay, if it is him, then that means my son is probably close by and I'll finally get to bring him home in some way. But it ended up not being him. And everybody was devastated all over again. Then... In 2018, actor and producer Tyler Perry was flipping through channels at his house and saw the story on a docuseries. And he decided he would offer up to $200,000 for information to solve the cases.
1: And tell me this cop called up and said, I did it. let me get that money.
0: No. He also enlisted famous civil civil rights attorney Ben Crump to launch a wrongful death lawsuit against Calkin on behalf of Terrence's mom. Nice. It was the first time in all those years that Calkin would talk about the cases in a four-hour deposition. He explained he did not take Terrence to jail because he seemed like a nice guy. But for the... For most of the interview, he would claim not to remember much. He, you know, kind of just was like, I don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. And when uh, Ben Crump's, like, I don't remember what they're, like, assistant attorney, I don't know what they're called. He kept, like, trying to push him to, like, jog his memory, and Calkins became, like, extremely angry. But it was ultimately ruled there was not enough evidence to take the case to trial in January of 2022. They're not giving up, though. Ben is hoping they can take the deposition they got from Calkin to the Federal Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division to reopen the investigation against him. Yeah. For now... If you have any information about either Terrence or Felipe's disappearance, you can call the Collier, Collier, don't know why I can't say that word, County Sheriff's Department at 239-252-9300. Help these people find their sons because that's absolutely horrible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I
2: feel like somebody just needs to... Get the fucking officer alone in a room and smack him around a couple good times. I mean, if that was allowed, I'm sure they would have
0: done it. Oh, yeah. Because they, even though he had worked on the force with them for 17 years, like, they were like, you did this. Yeah, he he did something. Yeah. Even if he didn't, you know,
2: specifically do something to them, I'm sure he took them somewhere for
0: something to be done to them. No, I agree. I think he did something to them. I think he drove them in the middle of nowhere and did something to them because he was angry because he had been dealing with all these people who were driving without insurance and driver's license and no tags and all this crap. And after 17 years, I think he cracked.
2: Yeah, He's gonna start killing maybe. people because of simple,
0: yeah. Because traffic. he was tired of doing his job.
2: Who the fuck knows? But he did something. Oh, I'm he. Yeah, dude is sketchy as fuck.
1: Right. I told you this case was fuck. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you let us know. Leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Make sure you're subscribing so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you want more, go check out our Patreon. That's linked in the show notes, episode notes. Um, we're putting bonus episodes out every other weekend. You get a shout-out on the show. You get all of our normal episodes ad-free, the bonus episode, and our eternal gratitude, which I think is uh, the most important part. So, um, <clears throat> does anyone have any uh, final thoughts?
0: No. Don't be a dick.
1: <laughs> yes. Don't be a dick. All right. We'll see you all back next week.
0: Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.